meaning of a lot of anti-Semitism right now. Uh, but thank you for listening and thank you for calling. And stay tuned because I think we're going to have some live music coming up on the Heather McCoy Show. It's 9.59. You're listening to KBOO Portland. Next up, we have, at 10 o'clock, Heather the Heather McCoy Show with the Portland band Body Shame. Cable Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations Hi. and programming of KBU in accordance no, with the right. requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBU Community Radio's open meeting policy is also available by calling the station at 503-231-8032. Board meetings will be conducted at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue, Portland, Oregon, unless otherwise noted. The KBU Board of Directors meets the fourth Monday of the month, starting at 6 p.m. Please call 503-231-8032 to verify if a meeting is being held. KBOO Community Radio and the Jazz Society of Oregon are thrilled to present the 39th annual Cathedral Park Jazz Festival, July 19, 20, and 21 at Cathedral Park in North Portland. The area's finest jazz, blues, R&B, and Latin musicians will rock the park for three days. PDX Soul, Karen Lovely, King Louie Organ Trio, Devin Phillips, Mel Brown, John Gilmore, are just a few of the 15 bands performing this year. That's the 39th annual Cathedral Park Jazz Festival, Portland's longest-running community event, July 19, 20, and 21, under the St. John's Bridge in North Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage, under Community Events. Heather McCoy Show. Blue Mike. Oh, there you go. And welcome to the Heather McCoy Show. Uh, on the air is going to be Body Shame, live from KBU. Uh, take it away, Body Shame.
Holy smokes. I couldn't believe this, this story, and yet there was something about it that seemed like it could be true. And so I wondered about this, and so at night, I started going to work on myself to see if this was really true. And for the longest time, nothing happened. And I kept on going. I just had this thought that maybe this is true, but doesn't look like it. And then, out of nowhere, feeling starts coming, and by golly, this is a true story.
And that was Body Shame live on KBOO Portland. And uh, he's going to be doing uh, an interview with us uh, here in a second after uh, he's uh, calmed down from that uh, manic uh, display of energy that was amazing. Um, body, uh, body Shame in studios. We're going to be right back. We're going to hit the reset button. And then in one second, we're going to have uh, Body Shame live and doing an interview uh, for the first time. I've searched web and I've never seen him interviewed. So this should be interesting. This is KBOO Portland. Heather McCoy Show. And welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining me is Body Shame in Studio. Uh, thanks for coming in this morning and spending some time with us at KBOO. Thanks for having me. Oh, Thanks uh, for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, why did you choose the name Body Shame? What sta statement are you making with that term for your band name? Uh, I'm not trying to make really any statement. Sure. Um, I think that most band names project names are pretty nonsensical and it's another nonsensical name though it i mean the mountain goats it's nonsensical i guess <laughs> i don't know anything about the mountain goats but it seems pretty nonsensical i mean it's more i mean the music is trying to match the feeling that you get uh when you feel bad about your body and you that feeling you get of like dissonance maybe is you know trying to turn that into a musical form maybe yeah that's about the best description i can give you and i'm gonna say for the listeners on air that might not know uh body shame is male identified what kind of body shame do you have in your personal life uh just being a thin person uh i've always been really thin so you know are you anorexic are you on drugs that that kind of thing do you eat oh i i I the, usually the thin is the ideal. So to hear a thin person say that like they've at gotten asked those questions, that's that's surprising. Um, does that happen often, or do? Um, not as much uh, as when I was younger. Uh, no, not not lately. Thankfully. Not <laughs> lately. Cool. Uh, you played PDX Pop Now last week. What no, was, it's oh. this this weekend. Oh, it's this weekend. Yes. I am somewhat dyslexic. So PDX Pop we Now is happening this weekend. Uh, I think what, are you playing Saturday or Sunday? Saturday at two p.m. So, and where is that at? It's at Audio Cinema out outside of Audio Cinema, underneath the uh, Morrison Bridge, I believe. Oh, okay. Is it on the west side of the river then? East side. Oh, east side of the river. Okay, perfect. Um, one is that you have a new record out. It's um, it's called "Look at Me, I'm Beautiful." It's on limited cassette release as well as a digital download on SDM Records. Yes. Um, one of the things I really enjoy about "Look at Me, I'm Beautiful" is that there are what is known as pop hooks, but you're not afraid of being confrontational and assertive with your aggressive sound. 
Why do you think so bands, a uh, few bands want to leave it out, hanging all out there anymore? Uh, probably just you, you want to not take as many risks and stick to convention and it's the easiest path. Um, you you don't have to worry about alienating anybody. And like the easiest path is that due to like uh, society getting more conservative with the forms of music that are being made or is there like a Spotify algorithm that you think is a, a kind of at play? Or I think it's always been conservative. I don't think it now is any different than in the past. It's it's always been, you know, stick to convention and the people that don't, you, usually there's no real reward for it other than getting the, the juice out of the artwork. Yeah, there has been, there's not a real reward. The only thing that's coming to my mind from all the bands that take it to your extreme would be uh, Steve Albini from Big Black. Like he returned sure. a, a recording engineer out of Big Black, but Big Black in of itself never turned into much of anything. Right, yeah. Sometimes it works that way. Uh, usually you you have to go the opposite route where you start with convention and establish yourself and then you can get weird. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like yeah. Kendrick Lamar made some pretty straightforward records and then he made a really weird record and it was because you know he'd already gotten to the top and he was allowed to or you know like whatever radiohead yeah they made conventional records and then they made some weird records and then there's uh people that make weird records that just say within the underground that like i'm thinking uh juju who recently just played Mm -hmm. portland yeah Sure. Uh, well, um, so like this is the third release for you. What made this? Uh, actually, I just last night uh, dropped a new release, uh, an EP I've been working on for a while. So it was a surprise release. So obviously oh, cool. you didn't know about that. Um, it's on my my Bandcamp. Uh, it's called the Solitary Vice. Okay. So what what's when you're getting material together, recording an album, is there like a certain process that you go through? Is each album uniquely of its own, or is there like, is there like uh, your process evolves and changes, and then you discover new things that you add to your equipment stack? Yeah, basically what you just described. Um, you know, I get kind of locked into a pattern. And eventually I want to break out of that pattern, though I don't want to break so far that the project itself breaks down into something that it isn't. So, for instance, you know, if Sonic Youth is standing on stage with a bunch of synths like Kraftwerk, it's not Sonic Youth anymore. Yeah. But you don't want to keep making the same record at the same time. So I try and expand the parameters a little bit, but more or less it's, you know, a variation on a theme and the theme is the project. Um, so it just, it slowly evolves and morphs, but I don't want to make super drastic changes either. Yeah, and then, and I think part of that is just the branding culture that we live in, where it's just like, this is Sonic Youth and this sounds like this. Uh, I'm thinking of Bad Religion and they made this record called Into the Unknown and nobody bought it. It was universally panned and I don't even know if it's still pressed yet. So there's a branding element even within an underground music and underground radio, because we did get some complaints, uh, like there's certain things that they expect KBOO to be at 10 a.m. in the morning, yeah. and this was definitely not one of them. And so that's one of the <laughs> things I like to do on my show is I like to keep it within my interests, and that's why it's called The Other McCoy Show, but right. I like to break branding a lot. Like, yeah. Well, I'm happy to hear if there are complaints. <laughs> it means you're uh, it means you're on the right path. Yeah. Um, so, like, um, how what's the Portland music scene for bands that who might be labeled experimental? Like, in a lot of cities, it feels like indie bands are kind of an extension of getting what uh, a book author calls the creative class, young professionals into downtowns, and it seems like it's a function of like the Chamber of Commerce, whereas what you're doing is usually relegated to clubs that are here and gone in about three months to a year. Yeah. And they're usually in the on-zoned part of town and it's not what like the quote young professionals are seeking out. How has the music change seen change now that like new urbanism is kind of in and that like you, you're definitely getting a segregation of what is considered inly, indie friendly and then what you do um well so it's it's 
very similar to what you described where, you know, we have have over time had certain venues that were friendly to us and usually they go out of business or they stop being friendly to us. And so what has happened, at least what's happening now, is that the best shows are all in DIY spaces. Yeah. And not so much in the clubs. Uh, there are there are a couple that um, couple establishments that people in in the scene play uh, somewhat regularly. Um, one in particular that's pretty reliable, but um, that is always subject to change. Uh, and DIY spots, thankfully, seem to be just this constant. And even you know when they go under, another one pops up. And so you know those are those seem to be just not just the most reliable, but also the shows there. Everybody knows those are so much more fun and exciting than going to a club and dealing with a you know your typical stereotype sound guy. You're bartender your promoter (laughs) club owner um which are not very usually pleasant to deal with not across the board but it's always a much easier and uh enjoyable to to perform at these diy spaces Uh, yeah i'm not gonna call out any venues but the crystal ballroom i went to see cherry glazer and it made me feel like a uh complete criminal just going into the venue yeah yep we all know that feeling (laughs) i mean getting frisked on your way into the venues it's like more thorough than going in providence park and it's just like what the hell yeah it's really uh dehumanizing yeah um my guest right now is body image body uh, shame body shame I'm sorry it's been I got up at 5 in the morning and it's starting the show no worries uh, body shame uh, he just has a new EP that he did yes. a surprise release uh, what's your Bandcamp web address bodyshame.bandcamp.com that's awesome one of the things I really like about Bandcamp and I'm glad that you're releasing your releases there is recently Microsoft pulled back a bunch of books that they sold people mm-hmm. uh, because they lost the rights to sell those them and then Bandcamp, if you're not familiar with that particular way to download, you pay the artist almost directly, almost all the time. Right. And then you download it as a WAVE, FLAC, ACC, MP3, ORB, and a bunch of different other formats. Mm-hmm. And it's yours, and it sits on your hard drive, and you, yeah. the, you don't have to worry about the big Apple person in the sky taking it back. Right. So that's one of the really cool things about that. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Um, I, wish, I wish there was a quicker way of you know making it as you know mobile friendly as a lot of other platforms that's probably the only thing that I would complain about at this point but uh, I think you know they'll probably figure it out uh, and you know they seem to stay on top of things Um, but you know I love it you know it's great Um, so uh, so talk about uh, the process of getting your equipment together because it's very. You have a Moog. You have something in with Moog yeah. in there, and yeah. then you have a you have a MacBook Pro mm-hmm. and a few other things. Like how was the genesis of Body Shame formed, and as far as like in your head and how you conceptualize it? Sure. Uh, so when I started playing shows uh, a little over four years ago as Body Shame. Uh, it was just me and a hardware controller um, for my DAW and digital audio workstation. And um, I tried to, you know, perform, in quotes, as much as I could. But I also realized that it wasn't particularly interesting. You know, I would do a lot of, uh, you know, rock and roll moves, I guess, you know, aping Iggy Pop a mm-hmm. little bit. But I felt like something was missing. Um, Part of it was just I didn't know, you know, I went into this not really knowing what I was doing and just kind of exploring. So over time, I added, you know, one piece of hardware, which I still have. It's that big uh, analog synth mini boot. And uh, slowly it just expanded. And I, I basically just try and cover all the bases that a normal band would cover in that I have a bass synth, a lead synth, uh, something to play chords on, a polysynth, uh, something to to trigger samples, 
uh, mic for vocals um, and some effects and that's it. Uh, I just try and try and be a one-man band more or less at this point. Yeah. How do you control the the tempo of the drums? Because the Big Black was just this piercing boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom. Yeah, it was you, just a drum machine. It was just a drum machine, and you can control your tempos yeah. of your drum, your virtual so, drum kit. So that's with software. It's all the MIDI is all routed through software. So all of the external gear receives a MIDI clock uh, to tempo sync from software, and they're all kind of sync together that way. Um, so like uh, we we mentioned Big Black a couple of times. Uh, what are some of your other influences? I'm guessing, um, and you can totally buzz me if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm guessing Kill Me Tomorrow. Uh, no, from, no, never heard of them. Never heard of them, wow. No. Um, uh, Farkit Man? Never heard of them. Oh, oh wait, f- is that the... Uh, f- it, it, I'm probably P-H-A-R. Tra- yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, she's great. She's great for sure. Um, and then uh, let's uh, I forgot the other one I was gonna. Oh, uh, Mersey Brow. Mersbo. Mersbo. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Uh, I just saw him not too long ago. Actually, uh, it was amazing. Where was he playing? I didn't. In L.A. Oh, in L.A. With, okay. Uh, yeah, with Purient, who's also a uh, pretty big influ- influence. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Um. Or? um not particularly. I guess on the subject of influences, I try not to have them. Yeah. So it's, you know, the last thing I want to do is ape somebody else. So, uh, you know, it's it's unavoidable to have them, but uh, I definitely don't set out to, to like, try and make a, a Mersbo project or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Definitely. So. Uh, my guess has been body image. Body shame. Body shame. I've... Uh, it's just been a very long morning. No worries. Um, so, uh, so body shame. Um, and uh, there's a new EP out. Look at me, I'm beautiful. And then you have what's your, the new release? The old LP that just came out a couple months ago is "Look at Me, I'm Beautiful," and the new EP is called uh, "The Solitary Vice." Oh, and then I had one more question. I just thought of um, what informs your song titles uh, because there's not really any t- lyrics traditionally. Sometimes there are. Sometimes, sometimes there aren't. Yeah, it's more just about feeling. You know, I, I kind of have ideas pop into my head and I write them down, and then. I complete a piece of music and then I look at what I've got and I basically just try and does this feel like it? it's the title and eventually I come across something that is obviously the title and it just feels right. So yeah. that's do what I do. You, do you have any shows coming up besides PDX Pop Now? Uh, St. John's No Fest, August 3rd, which is uh, at uh, Green Anchors, which is uh, next to the St. John's Bridge. Okay. With... Uh, yeah, it's going to be an all-day, two-stage uh, big thing. So, yeah. That's really great. awesome. Yeah. Um, thanks for joining us on the show. Body, Thank you. Yeah, Body Shame. It's on Bandcamp. Uh, do you have any other – do you have Instagram or Facebook that if anyone wants to follow you? Or? Uh, yeah, I have, I have both. Uh, my Instagram is private. Um, I might – I might approve. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't particularly like being that publicly exposed. So um, my Facebook is like very neglected unless I have a release. Um, so yeah, uh, through SDM where my band camp is, or just through the music is the best way to. Are you going to start wearing like uh, putting hair over your eyes like a SIA or MIA <laughs> or not MIA, EMA? Uh, I mean, I I thought about like wearing a mask and I was it just didn't feel right and it felt weird and it just didn't work with the project. And a lot of the time I kind of you just try and like mangle my face in some way to to just match the feeling. And, um, and uh, since I'm literally playing the sense with my face sometimes <laughs> having a mask on is just a little too cumbersome and uh so probably not um though you know it, it could change yeah well thanks for joining us body shame yeah, again thank you band camp uh is the best place to get a uh, get a hold of their work and uh we're gonna be right back i'm just gonna wrap up some rest of the news this morning um this is the heather mccoy show
Heather McCoy Show. And welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Body shame. That was a lot of fun uh, this morning. It's a little bit different on the boo this morning. Um, other things that are happening in the world today. The New York Times is reporting that the LGBT rights group uh, rights groups are calling for the internet website, internet movie database, or what is commonly known as IMDB, uh, to stop listing trans people's dead names. Uh, Nick Adams, the director of transgender representation at GLAAD, states in the New York Times piece, quote, to reveal a transgender's birth name without their explicit permission is an invasion of privacy that only serves to undermine the trans person's true authentic identity and put them at risk for... Uh, discrimination and even violence. IMDB, who is not backing down, uh, their spokesman is quoted in the New York Times piece pushing back, quote, um, the company is committed to being the most complete source of film, TV, and celebrity information, and that, quote, strives to represent an individual's gender identity while accurately reflecting the cast and crew listings as they appear in productions and on-screen credits at the time of the original release. And I think that's a little bit disingenuous because if you ever go to IMDb, you will like learn things. It's not like they're public people. It's, yeah, the celebrities are. So if you want to look at Tom Hanks's like complete film history, you can go on the IMDb, click his name, Tom Hanks, and see what all of the films he's done. But you can also see like the line crew. You can also see the production assistants, like the IMDb listing listings are not just for celebrities therefore like the working class of hollywood and for them to dead name people that don't even like have a celebrity to push back like laverne cox or something like that is just reprehensible and um it's a professional site it's it's like it's like linkedin on steroids for people in the film industry um i have somebody a friend of mine at a previous station who hosts a show called Film School. It's very good. And he has a IMDb Pro page. And remember the Scott Walker uh, director interview of 30th Century Man? Uh, it was because I asked him to look it up on his IMDb Pro account to get in touch with their publicist. That's how I got that interview. It's that professional of a, of a service if you subscribe to it. And so to have all of your professional members and, and um, your your peer group, in other words, have your dead name up on IMDb is just, it's just freaking awful. And I hope IMDb realizes that, yes, you do want a complete listing, but at the same time, there's other overriding circumstances as well. Um, and then just uh, just an update to the sewer that is a Jeffrey Epstein case. Vanity Fair is reporting that it likely within... Uh, days, the U.S. Court of Appeals, Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, is going to release almost 2,000 pages of documents that can release uh, could, that could reveal sexual abuse uh, by numerous prominent American politicians. Well, we know Trump and Clinton are pretty much, possibly, most likely involved, uh, and then powerful, powerful business executives, foreign presidents, and a well-known prime minister, as well as other world leaders. And uh, we don't want to guess the prime minister, but um, I have a very sneaking suspicion. It's the British one who lied us into war in Iraq. That's just a guess, but I wouldn't be shocked if that name came up there. Um, and the source, and also in the Vanity Fair piece, the source of Jeffrey Epstein's wealth has been mysterious, but it's been reported that the current working theory on Wall Street is that uh, Epstein's wealth is built on his abuse of women and girls and his relationships with some of his investors essentially amounted to blackmail, which would make sense. It would make sense why the labor secretary in his previous role as district attorney or uh, in some type of prosecutorial position, I'm not, I forget exactly what it was, but it, he, he went so lenient on Upstein uh, 10 years ago almost is because there are compromised relationships. It does reach far. He collects people. That was also stated in the piece. And I think that part is very evident. Um, and so the, we've, you know, we've seen him and Trump oogling over women in a 1990s video that was recently released and it's going to go far. And it's, I, 
am shocked that something like this has not happened before. Um, we know, we all know the moral depravity of the 1%. It reminds me of uh, one, I forget which F1, Formula One uh, executive, I think it was Max Mosley off the top of my head, but he, he hosted bondage parties, which are fine. You shouldn't kink shame. Uh, but at the same time, he also, but it, it was Nazi themed and there was a bunch of other stuff going on during that. So like the the, the 1% has the money. Uh, it's the uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald all over again and the great Gatsby, you know, can do nothing wrong. And it's one of the reasons why we need a 90% marginal tax rate on the, you know, wealth over, you know, yearly income over $10 million and the carried interest uh, exemption should not be around anymore. I think that would stop a lot of this um, because like when you have that much money uh, like you just like it it becomes a thing where like you can buy literally everything that you need in life like a pair of Bowers and Wilkins speakers not a problem Uh, like a really you know nice house by the beach not a problem so then like you get itches and these people are morally depraved and this is what happens when morally depraved people have urges um and the other disturbing thing and it's a thing that the Jezreel website uh mentions is the fact that a lot of uh newscasts and telecasts are calling uh Epstein's victims underaged women which is not a thing they're girls they're teenagers they're not underage women um it's just another uh facet of rape culture that permeates uh news sources um so there's that uh in other news our big wet president held a nuremberg rally in north carolina uh greensville um our big wet president stated quote uh, she looks down with contempt on the hardworking Americans, saying ignorance is pervasive in many parts of the country. And I say, if the shoe fits, wear it. Like, ignorance is pervasive in large parts of the country. Like, if I start driving towards Sacramento, that's almost like, oh, I don't know. There's a lot of miles where it's nothing but crickets and banjo music, and you're afraid of, like, everything it's really frightening um and so there there is ignorance in large parts of this country and it's not just that it it's not just rural areas it's the city areas too it's just and i think it's more than um but like yeah i just cannot believe that like this is what's going on in the year of our lord 2019 um, he added that Omar has a history of launching vicious anti-Semitic screeds. That's what he was quoted as saying, which is, um, you want to talk about anti-Semitic, uh, screeds, fat man with little hands. Let's talk about end times theology, which most of your lemmings believe in. Let's talk about the rapture. That's why you move the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem. It, you, it, you kiss their collective butt to keep you in power, Trump. Uh, like you know, you, you know what happens in the Left Behind books? Do you know what happens in Rapture Theory? It's basically all of the Jewish people that don't see, don't convert to Christianity, and say that the their Lord Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. They 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 go to hell. That's what happens in end time theology, and like because of the freaking. Um, left behind books like they like Trump is dedicated to trying to make that happen <laughs> and so it George W. Bush did a lot of the same things but he never went so far as relocating the embassy um, so if you want to talk about anti-semitic it wasn't it your campaign that had that tweet with Hillary Clinton and the Star of David I think it was and you still employ Stephen Miller? You still employed Steve Bannon for a large part of your time? Don't even go towards the anti-Semitic. And um, I'm very uh, aware and attuned of anti-Semitism because at one point I was thinking about, about converting to Judaism. And then um, George W. Bush happened. And then I realized that um, I... I just don't care. It's an e- I just became an atheist after that. It's just like if the, if people of faith thinks that this guy is like smart and he knows what he's doing and you're going to elect them for a second time 
because that was when I was thinking about converting to Judaism. Um, and a lot of Jewish people didn't support George W., but it was still a faith-based thing, and the more conservative Jewish people did, it was just like, I just don't believe in religion anymore. I'm sorry. I think it's all, I think it's fake. I think it's phony. Um, it's like, it, there's a documentary from 1972 named Marjo, and it's about a, uh, about a kid um, who uh, was like this nine-year-old prodigy uh, televangelist. And then he grew up and he was like this hippie, but then he would play the evangelical circuits for money when he ran out of money. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's a fraud. Um, but so in any ways, going after the editorialized part, getting back to the creep rally in North Carolina after their president accused Omar of being anti-Semitic, Within, now, without any sense of irony that they're about to scream a racial slur, the crowd chanted, send her back. I'm sorry. She's an American citizen. She belongs here. You're, you have to deal with it. Um, so making a, race state, ra making a racist statement while denouncing racist statements is pretty, pretty interesting. Wordplay is not a conservative value, by the way. Uh, when gay marriage happened, I uh, I think I've mentioned this on the air multiple times, but I'll mention it again. I listen to a lot of Christian radio because it's hysterical. Um, and so when gay marriage came down, and um, I forgot what when that uh, uh, ruling happened off the top of my head, but all the Christian ministers were all like, don't worry, God is still on the throne. So it's just like, oh, does he need X-lax? Is he constipated? Like, <sighs> yeah, so it's... <laughs> They're, they're not the sharpest tools in the drawer. Um, so, but they are tools. Uh, so this is the Heather McCoy show. Um, it's gonna, we're gonna have more PA programming. Uh, it's book talk uh, coming up at eleven. Music, more music starts at twelve, and then Democracy Now in the PM uh, day slot starts again for the public affairs at four, um, and then Monday. Monday is an important day. Uh, Monday we're having our uh, monthly, so monthly, we're having our monthly um, KBU membership meeting, uh, board meeting. So um, there's that. And uh, thanks for listening to the Heather McCoy Show. It's 10.58. You're listening to KBOO Portland. Next up, stay tuned for, at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Between the Covers, when host David Naiman talks to Max Porter about their latest book, Lanny. KBOO programming is made possible by KBOO member listeners and support from Portland's Saturday Market, 46 years of American-made arts and crafts, Freshly prepared international foods, local artisans, and local mu music in downtown Portland. Open every Saturday and Sunday in the Waterfront Park, now through Christmas Eve. Event schedule, vendor information, and more at portlandsaturdaymarket.com. Kabu Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of the Coley Neighborhood Farmer's Market. This is a weekly event at 5011 Northeast 42nd Avenue at Alberta Street in Portland. The market features local farmers and businesses. And this Thursday, July 18th, there will also be a cooking demonstration and music by Janet Julian. Again, that's the Coley Neighborhood Farmer's Market, Thursday, July 18th from 4 to 8 p.m. at 5011 Northeast 42nd Avenue at Alberta Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events.
Don't forget that you can hear all of these programs after they air on KBOO.FM or on iTunes and Google Play. All of these KBOO programs are made possible by members' support. If you'd like to become a member, go to KBOO.FM or use our mobile app and click on Donate. Radio is a proud co-sponsor of the Coley Neighborhood.